Hello, church. This is Austin Rovizzini with the Coast City Church Podcast. On this podcast, you will find content ranging from extended commentary on topics we are focusing on in our sermons, biblical literacy teachings, spontaneous encouragement from Pastor Doug, and interviews with guest musicians and speakers. Our goal with this podcast is to provide you an additional resource you can access throughout your week. Our hope is that this content will deepen your relationship with Christ. We hope you enjoy. This episode is part two in a two-part series on our Easter sermon. In the first section, we'll talk about peace over failure, which is Peter's story in John 21. And secondly, we'll talk about power to give peace, which is the application section of the message. I hope you all enjoy. One of the most beautiful and striking features of the resurrected Jesus is his desire to come to his disciples and reveal himself to people. And what we see in this is consistent with God's nature all throughout scripture and certainly in our lives today where he desires to pursue us. One of the most you know, beautiful songs that are out right now is about how God has this reckless type of love. And although there are some people out there who would disagree with that particular word reckless, I think what the song is trying to get at is that God is willing to leave 99 behind to find one of his sheep. And that story isn't necessarily to mean that those 99 sheep then become these lost, you know, flock. It's more to to elevate the importance of just one individual, that every single person has a name, that every single person has a story, that you sitting, listening to a sermon or reading your Bible or praying to God, each one of you have a voice, have, you know, your own senses that you can use to experience God. And I think that that's what uh, the resurrected Jesus does in this story with Peter. He comes back to have this encounter, certainly with his disciples, but but we get the really the interplay between him and Peter. And so John 21 for me is a really strong example of the nature of Jesus to come to us, to reinstate us after we've experienced something like failure. And we all in our lives have experienced some form of failure, some more than others. And certainly in my life, I can relate to Peter's feeling of letting someone down who I really, really truly love and would like to see me in a better light. And so when Jesus comes back and shows up on the shore of, Jesus, of, of Peter's life and offers him this, this dignity and, and, and reinstates him and sends him on with purpose, I just find myself connecting to it on so many levels. I feel my soul and heart being uh, just uh, soothed by this story. And so I want to read you John 21, uh, 1 through 19. This is Peter's reinstatement. And then just make a couple of comments on, on what I observe here. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. 
So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with it, with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was the third, this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so in this account in John 21, it's worth reading the entire chapter. But in this in these in a condensed version in these verses we see that Jesus has come back spe- specifically to reinstate Peter at least from this angle we see that and i think that the application for us is Jesus is doing the exact same thing in our lives Jesus shows up on the shore of our lives right he meets us sort of 90 percent there and we have to come 10 and so it's a really perfect image of how jesus pursues us in this life right jesus comes back to us in this resurrected form and invites us to experience the freedom of letting go of our failure right peter has denied jesus three times and so by no mistake this gospel and in this account jesus it's recorded that jesus um offers sort of uh, Peter three different times to say that he loves him. And that is exactly to sort of make right this failure that Peter had. And that, that just to me is the perfect symbol of what God is doing when he's restoring shalom back into his creation, restoring peace back into his creation, right? This story is about bringing justice back to Peter. Like Jesus doesn't ignore that Peter has failed, right? He doesn't just brush it under the rug. He he acknowledges the failure and meets it with grace and meets it with truth, right? All throughout John's gospel, P, uh, Jesus is portrayed as sort of this, this uh, of offering grace and truth. And so when we meet Jesus in our lives, he says, 
no matter where you're at, right? So Peter is in this boat by him. He was, he was going to go by himself. Luckily, the disciples have learned something from Jesus to be with him in this time of remorse, right? In this time of guilt and shame or whatever Peter was experiencing that, that made him feel like he needed to go sort of back to what he was, a fisherman, you know, before he met Jesus and, and take off his, his outer garment and be out on this boat fishing naked, Right, the disciples have picked up on on what Jesus has has talked about about coming around other people and supporting them in times of need, and actually follow him out there, so he's not alone, so he doesn't have to mourn on his on uh, um, by himself. And that's another message for another time. But what is important for me to say today is that Jesus shows up to Peter despite that failure. And Jesus does the same exact thing in our life. He shows up on the shore of our life, right, to meet us there. And Peter immediately, the second he realizes that it's Jesus, he jumps into the water and swims only about 100 yards to him. Right at this point, Jesus has gone into the grave. He's been raised from the dead, right? He's, this is the third time he's appeared to his disciples. And, and Peter, this is the first time he has an encounter with Peter. But Jesus goes a long way, 90% for, Jesus, for, for Peter to only go 10. And I think it's important to note that Peter, Peter you know, takes, takes up this offer from Jesus Right? There was such a, a, a history here of understanding who Jesus was, similar to this message, right? We already have had history in part one of our, our podcast to sort of lay the foundation of who Jesus is. And in knowing, in knowing who God is, right, we can be confident that he is surely standing on the shore of our life, offering us uh, peace over our failure, And so much like Peter, we have the opportunity to swim back to him to be greeted in open arms. And something interesting about failure when it comes to Christ is that God will 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 bring us in, right? He'll 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 have a meal prepared for us, some fish and bread around a fire, because he wants that 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 communion with us. He wants the relationship with us more than anything. But then he also isn't going to allow us to just walk away from that failure. He wants us to to face that failure so that we know moving forward, we have the power and the strength through his resurrection to overcome whatever that failure caused, right? To seek forgiveness or to get help or to, to realize that, that that didn't define who we are, right? We are the children of God because Jesus, Jesus died and was born again and offered us new life and an identity in him. And so there's nothing that we need to be afraid of in coming to Jesus, right? We can come to Jesus free of this guilt, free of this shame, free of this failure, only to be resurrected in him, to then have the confidence and go back and fix whatever uh, has been done wrong. And so I would encourage you today to just be reminded, right, that in Christ's resurrection, we learn that God is a, that, that God is a God that pursues us, that comes, that comes to us, you know, he comes almost all the way, kind enough to give us the choice uh, to jump in the water and swim to us. And so I pray today that you take this, this message with you and that you are, are willing to allow Jesus to just speak peace over your failure. In the final section of my message, I wanted to talk about how Jesus' resurrection is full of this idea of power, 
And power is something that in Jesus he uses for the benefit of others and to bring his father glory. And God is glorified when we are functioning as he's made us to function. And that's in the context of restored shalom and peace, which is the theme that has been sort of the the meta narrative through all of these sermons we've been giving for the past month. And what's important to realize is that that we have a lot of freedom within shalom and peace and restored relationship with God, others, and creation to decide how we yield the power, authority, and influence that's given to us. And God makes this really clear by leaving, by not being clear in certain aspects of our life, right? You can be a manager at Panera Bread and function within the realm of shalom and how you choose to yield the power and authority that's been bestowed upon you. And so hopefully this entire message in our sermon series for peace has made you realize that it is through relationship with God that we learn how to treat others the right way and how to treat creation the right way in its most full form. And so as the resurrected Jesus meets us on the shore of our life, like we talked about in the section, Peace Over Failure, we are then, you know, restored, right? Peter experienced this this restoration when he met the resurrected Jesus on the beach and had a meal with him. But Jesus didn't just leave him there, right? He sends them, he sends him with power and authority to what he says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And what he means by that is he wants, he wants Peter to be a shepherd to the people, to humanity. And this is our story. Jesus' resurrection, right? We, experiences, we experience this as humans and we come to know him and, and we give you know, our lives and, and, and we trust him and, and we get baptized and we, and we begin on this way with Christ. And what he's telling us to do is take care of people. Right? Take care of my church. Take care of your families. Take care of your workplace. And so in this idea of power to give peace, really the, 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 the bottom line is that what God wants for you is to, use, is to learn who he is and experience him who, through, through a relationship with him so that you can then pass on his nature to others and yield the power and authority that he gives you in your life by restoring who you are to then bless all other nations. It's the same exact calling and covenant that he had with Abraham and Israel. He wants to now use your life to bless all the other nations, which for you could be just your family, could be your workplace, could be you know, whatever authority and power you have in your life. And certainly God will, will give you more authority and power. But remember, the way that Jesus gains his power and then uses his power is very subvert, subversive. And also it's very, and what I mean by subversive is that it's this, it's this you know, backwards type of power. He dies on the cross and that's when he's sort of crowned, he's crowned, king, right? He rides into Jerusalem on a donkey and that's like his kingly entrance, right? He, 
He is this is God who's born in a manger, right? Emmanuel, God with us, this, this backwards idea of power. It's through humility and service, right, that he gains influence and how, and, and how he compels people to come to him. And so that's the types of things that we read about in the Gospels, and that's the type of God we, we come to experience in worship and in, and, and in uh, community groups and in you know, our day-to-day walk with him. And he wants you to take those same experiences and begin to pass that on to other people so people can experience the peace of Christ and ultimately come to know him in relationship. And so for me, I've experienced this in many other, in many ways. And, and one of the most striking ways I shared a story, you know, of me and my estranged stepfather and stepbrother reconciling. That was the most recent story of, of how Christ has, has met me uh, in my life, right? He, 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 built in me a Christian character to then come into connection fully open and ready to reconcile with, with two men that I hadn't talked to for 10 years. And, and that, that reconciliation brought me, my heart such great joy. And like I alluded to earlier, that was because I was tapping into, well, all three of us were tapping into one of the foundational elements that we all carry as humans, which is this desire to be in right relationship with one another. And so God is constantly giving us these opportunities to give peace to others. And I would just challenge you that, that, that just remember that power in God's eyes is meant to bless other people. It's not meant to oppress people. It's not meant to cause division right? We need to find a way to speak and to act that brings unity among people. We have to be hum- humble enough to listen to people's perspectives that, that, you know, we might not agree with. And again, I think, I fullheartedly believe that in humility and kindness, there is a way for people to come to a different conclusion that they might be carrying, but it isn't always through, you know, asserting yourself or getting aggressive or angry or certainly not violent uh, to change somebody's mind. And so I would just say, you know, in the application part of this, right, the resurrected Jesus allows us to believe in the power that God still has to make, to make changes in the world today that are for peace and shalom and also to experience that power in our own lives, right? First and foremost, in our own lives, that will continue to happen no matter what ministry or what we do with that power, right? We'll we'll experience that ourselves. But also God has partnered with us to be, you know, sort of conduits of this power that he has. And in reflecting on who God is as, as, Jesus reveals him to be, we can be, we can make certain decisions within that freedom, right? That aren't, that aren't super, you know, God doesn't say exactly how you should, you know, run a shift at your workplace or how you should deal with conflict, you know, when it arises in your office, but he gives us enough to say, this is how my nature is. This is how you should be in these, in these you know, situations. And so when you're making those decisions, remember you are partnering, partnering with God, but also take some of the pressure off your shoulders, right? The resurrection reminds us that God is in control, right? That Jesus is, is 
wanting to have an encounter with the people who are in your life. And he's going to use you to do that. But remember that it's it's the resurrected Jesus that's that's within you, right? Through his Holy Spirit and and, and through these, you know, remembering back to these moments that that you don't have to do this yourself, right? God is partnering with you, right? Some of that pressure can be taken off of your shoulders so you don't feel like you have to yield power in a forceful way, right? Because a lot of the times it's going to take you years and years of relationship and consistency with people to earn your voice with them for them to truly take on uh, maybe something that you're saying or even to hear, you know, God's voice. And so I would just say, you know, my encouragement to you is that remember how Jesus utilizes his power, uses his power. Remember how he gains influence. Reflect back on his entrance into Jerusalem, right? How he goes on to die, right? And, and reflect on how, what does that mean, you know, for you in your day-to-day life when you continue to grow in influence and authority? You know, how do you choose to use that power? And also, I would just encourage you to be patient in the process and allow God's humble and kind voice to compel people to come to know him. Right, earn your voice with people by being humble, by being kind, by being consistent, by by showing love unconditionally, for forgiving uh, when there's no reason to, and those are the things that open people's hearts to the Spirit of God and to the resurrected Jesus. And so remember that when Jesus is resurrected, uh, it is a confirmation that God is is still all powerful. That everything Jesus taught and said. Uh, has been declared true in his resurrection. And remember, Jesus, first and foremost, is seeking you out personally, showing up on the shore of your life so that he may meet you and have a relationship with you. I pray that uh, for the rest of of your day and this week, it would be blessed uh, by continuing to uh, just tap into the reality that you are loved so deeply, just as you are by Jesus, and that he wants nothing more to know you uh, for the rest of eternity. I pray you you would experience that and that you would trust your life with him and follow him with everything you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church, for listening to our two-part series on our Easter sermon. We are honored and privileged to get the opportunity to walk alongside you as you pursue Jesus with everything you have. Have a wonderful week.